Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Hopefully you had a good holiday break. And in break, I simply mean a break from the work. Some of you may have had to work. I used to have to work during Christmas. So hopefully you didn't have to, but if you did, I'm sorry for you. But I'm optimistic that many people were able to at least take some sort of break, even if it simply meant spending time with your friends and family and not doing things that would stress you out or upset you and get a chance to kind of breathe, stretch, shake, let it go, as Mace tended to say. I've got a few updates, but nothing that is overtly significant because I gave the most significant update exactly on Christmas yesterday, but I will follow up on that. But before I do that, I want to kind of talk through some commentary that has happened very recently around cryptocurrency and the evolution of technologies and put to rest some fallacies that I'm seeing be spread around. We think of technology as evolutionary. It is designed to replace something that came before it. And by and large, this is true. However, recent history should have taught us that we cannot count any technology out. By which I mean, if we look at something like the internet, the internet came in response to, first of all, it was a government thing. It was only government and it wasn't really mainstreamed until later. And you saw things like Prodigy and America Online as a way to communicate more effectively, to use something to where we didn't have to rely on the telephone. So the internet did not replace the telephone at all. The physical landline still exists in its current form. The physical line, landline is arguably the best way to ensure you get reliable access to 911. The physical landline is by and large now cheaper than any cell phone could possibly be. So what happened? We saw cell phone companies show up and they were grossly expensive, roughly 50 cents a minute at a stretch. We saw phone companies that were charging long distance before stop doing that in order to try to compete with the later cell phones that would come out that started offering unlimited calling domestic and in certain long distance situations. So there's always this response, right? That the landline, now you can get a landline for about 20 bucks a month if you look around and there's competition. You're not, generally speaking, you're not forced to go to one company. With cell phones, there's competition, but if you notice, we have way less competition than we used to. As of right now, you pretty much only have T-Mobile, AT&T, predominantly, and Verizon. And then Sprint, of course, was absorbed under T-Mobile, which means you don't have that competition. We used to have Nextel that was absorbed in Sprint, so you don't have that one. And then, of course, what used to be Singular was a whole different company that then was absorbed into AT&T. And so we now have all this consolidation that's taking place where we now don't have anywhere near the competition we used to. As a result, you can expect to pay pretty big dollars for your cell service. And you say, well, you know, you can get these cheap services as $30 or Google Fi or something. Here's the problem with those. All they're doing is using other people's networks. They're just buying space from the other people. And yes, while they're cheap and available now, there's no guarantee they'll be available all the time. At the end of the day, those big players have still won, even though they're the legacy players. And regardless of this, the landline still beats them because you can get them cheaper. They're easy to sign up with. They're not trying to rip you off. All they can't really do is text message. And if you're the kind of person who just uses it for phone calls, the landline works perfectly fine. It just means that you're stuck at home. So everybody really tries to use their cell phone as their primary phone. Now you're stuck having to charge it all the time. 
you're stuck having to replace it all the time. You're stuck with all these frequent updates and all these things you never had to deal with with the landline service. Well, which one's really better? It's not for me to say. It's what is it that you need? If all you need to do is do phone calls when you're at home, the landline works perfectly fine. In my case, the cell phone only is needed if I'm leaving the home. Now, the reason I gave that analogy is you can make that same parallel around TV. TV was supposedly going to replace radio. It hasn't. Radio is actually still very popular. You're listening to a form of radio now. Radio took a different shape to evolve to kind of a podcast type situation that made it more accessible and available instead of being limited to targeted stations around the nations. But you still have those radio stations. You can turn on your FM radio right now or your AM radio right now, and they're still broadcasting just like they always have been. It hasn't dropped radio at all. They still have listeners. It's just that they've taken a different form. I can go to taxi cabs and Uber. Uber might be predominantly all over the place in the West, but I can guarantee if you go to Boston, you're still going to see taxi cabs all over the place. You're not going to see Ubers as nearly as much. Airbnb was supposed to replace hotels. I guarantee you. Marriott is still a thing. It's always going to be a thing. Hilton is still a thing. It's always going to be a thing. Holiday Inn and so on. Best Western. Because there are things Airbnb cannot offer you where one of those is availability. Second is the benefits and the perks and everything else. So all of these, but that doesn't mean Airbnb goes away or that Uber goes away or that all these go away. It means that you have different, they've evolved. And as you evolve to keep up with something, it means you're going to be relevant for the long term. Now we get to cryptocurrency. Now we get to fiat and banking and the stock market. And now we're in a new war of what is crypto's place in currency and how people use currency to do transactions. Remember I mentioned on an old episode, predominantly, and this is still the case, fiat is to transact, crypto is to hold, predominantly doesn't mean that you cannot transact with crypto. You can, but it is the exception to the rule. Until you can walk to that grimy corner drugstore with bars on the windows and say you want to pay a crypto and have the guy openly prefer crypto over fiat rather than say, you need to pay dollars deep, 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 then it's not mainstream. And it won't be mainstream for a long time. That doesn't mean it doesn't have its place. What's going to happen is that the banking systems are going to start evolving and adapting to try to embrace the crypto community more than they have done. That means that they're going to try to bridge fiat and crypto. And oh, by the way, they get really what they want, which is to know where your money is so they can tell the government, if you're in the United States, where your money's hiding so that you can be taxed. They're all working together. And so once you recognize that, you might be okay with it. If you're trading at the high level, you got tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands, millions you might be okay with having the IRS know where your money is at any given time, and it might be beneficial for you to have it all in one place to where you're not having to do your own manual reporting come tax filing season. But many of the people that are in crypto who are listening to this are not openly trying to do that, and they want to keep it the way it is because it's more beneficial for them to have the control. If you give it to the banks, they're going to take control away from you. No, you can't just buy any crypto you want. You can only buy these 10. No, that one has too many zeros. We're not even going to allow it. We're just going to ban it completely. No, you're not able to do a withdrawal whenever you feel like it. And when we do allow you to do a withdrawal, we're going to put you through KYC five levels deep and a bunch of paperwork and nonsense, including fingerprints. No, we're not going to have you trade for free. You're going to pay these fees. It's not just network fees. It's also our fees. 
No, you're going to have to show your ID at the local branch to be able to do a withdrawal. That's the reality of the current fiat system. And so the banks, they can only go with what they know. They're not going to adopt a new system just for crypto. They're going to try to force crypto into what they know, which is what we don't want. I think none of us wants that kind of structure where we are limited as the way the banks are limited. We only really need the banks for the cut for the cash. Let's be honest. We don't need them for anything else. You might use them for savings. You might use them for transactions. But at the end of the day, it's about the fiat you care about. If crypto can become another outlet to transact fiat, now you have made the banks irrelevant to force them to adapt. The banks aren't going to go away. They're not going to go away. They can't. Because remember, they fund loans. Crypto does lending as well. However, you also have to think about mortgage industries and the auto industry and the others where loans are used. Now you have to get them to embrace the idea that this loan is no longer backed by fiat dollars sitting in a bank. It's backed by cryptocurrency that is volatile, potentially. And are they going to be willing to do that? So it's not as simple as saying crypto is going to get rid of banks. I'm telling you right now, it won't happen. It's impossible because fiat and the banking systems are ingrained in our culture so deep. They were there from the beginning. They're not going to go away overnight. Remember, it took hundreds of years to get to the point where we are now where the banks are kind of comfortable, assumed everybody has a debit card or some capacity to use a bank at some level, even if it's prepaid. It took hundreds of years to get to that level of saturation and it's taken for granted. And there's still people using checks. There are still people who go to the ATMs. There are still people who cash their checks at the bank and not do direct deposit. There are so many things that would have to crash in order for crypto to completely overtake it. It's not going to happen. I'll put this on prediction. It's not going to happen in any of the lifetimes of anybody listening to this. And I'm not saying that to trash crypto. I'm saying that as a realist. We have to start thinking about the, the, let's say, communal aspects of how we handle currency, crypto and fiat working together to where we're not tethered by the same restrictions that the banking industry has upon it, but we can still use it in concert with cryptocurrency to do whatever it is we need to do. That means if I want to go down to the local car dealer and I want to buy a car and I don't want to do a loan, but I happen to have crypto, I should be able to transact with that dealer without them having to care what I'm using. So in a vision, in my vision, I can say I have 15000 That's what you want for this vehicle. They have a way to either pull it from crypto or pull it from currency without having to care what it is. I just swipe a thing and it automatically pays them what they need. And they're happy with the way that they use it because maybe they don't use crypto. But I use crypto. We shouldn't have to, like we currently do, take our crypto, cash it out to some flat currency, stable coin, use a debit card from like Coinbase or, or crypto.com or something else, deal with the transaction limits and all that nonsense, or worse, withdraw it and then send it into a bank. We shouldn't have to do all these hoops. We should be able to have the two systems interopt to where nobody cares. It's just, it's just ultimately value that's transferring A to B. And the reason this came up is just because there's a lot of conversation in tw- coming to 2022 about the role of crypto with the new regulations that are going to be happening and how this all plays with the banks and the banks that are trashing crypto, but some of them are kind of getting on board. And by and large, there's this, at the high level, the Federal Reserve in the United States is trashing crypto as a Wild West, which it is. But that's the reason why, if you go back and listen to the DYOR podcast, the the need for kind of self-regulation in addition to sensible regulation from our governments 
to make sure to oversee the industry without crippling it and turning it into the stock market because the stock market is a totally different thing. I had the conversation with somebody previous um, two weeks ago to kind of help him understand the stock market is always going to be different than what we're dealing with crypto because with the stock market, you are purchasing an ownership stake in a company. So there's something tangible, even if you can't touch it, it's a tangible something you're owning. It's not the perception of value. The value has already been determined by a third party when they distributed the shares and the percentage of your stake goes to your percentage of ownership in that company. Crypto, that is not the case. You could have a crypto that is backed by a company, but owning the crypto is not ownership stake in the company. It's a different thing. This may evolve over time. We may get to where stock is issued either in conjunction with or in lieu of cryptocurrency with it having some ownership stake in a business. But I think we're way far away from that because of the volatility aspect. Anything that's volatile that you can't trust the value of it in the short term or the long term, you're not going to see that kind of disruption. That's why I say fiat's not going anywhere. I argue anywhere in our lifetimes because it's just too ingrained in everything that we do. We've got a long way to go before we start seeing that kind of disruption. If we do see it, it's a long way away. And I think for now, all we can do is hope that we can get the two sides to work together to where we leave one alone, even though we have the other that we still depend on and we can still use it, but we're not going to infect cryptocurrency with the same kind of rules just because people are getting scammed or they're losing money or whatever happens. We have to better educate people. That's why I have my podcast to try to educate everybody who listens about how to protect yourself, about how to look for projects that make sense for you and how to avoid with your money. And even if you do see one and you're not sure about it to maybe toss a dollar or two and just watch it and be patient and learn not to react to the graphs, like all the things that I've been talking about. The reason I'm doing that is that I want you to be informed so that we don't need the government getting in our business. We can self-regulate ourselves, but we have to be educated. At some point, though, I, invariably what's going to be what's going to happen is somebody's going to get ripped off. It's going to be a high profile something. The governments, I would say, I put that plural, the governments will scramble to try to ban crypto, you know, worldwide, or they'll try to lock it down with the same regulations as stock. And then nobody that's listening to this podcast, I would argue, will make any wealth at that point because that's the end game if we have them in the business and we don't want that. We want it to where people are allowed to make their own decisions and be empowered to make their own choices so that you have the chance for wealth if you're properly educated on what to look out for. Why wouldn't you want that? That you were the one who governs your own destiny instead of somebody else doing it for you. You were the one that was able to make the decisions for your family and your situation that made sense for you. We just needed to have the education given to you about what to look out for, the kinds of things to expect, and that's why I cover various tokens as well, so that you know things that I've looked at, whether or not they made sense to invest in, I say this is something at least worth looking at so that you can make smart decisions for your own portfolio. So that was just kind of my head start of the new um, era as we're coming up on 2022 to kind of thoughts as we close out the year of what I think is coming and what I hope happens. So be aware, I think, of 2022 because my gut tells me that we're going to see some of these shifts starting to happen with banking, starting to get regulations. Remember, we've got 
primary elections here in the United States. They're going to be happening in 2022. Who ends up going into office and who ends up getting kicked out is going to play a big factor in the future of cryptocurrency. At the end of the day, my gut says we're going to see a blowout in favor of Republicans. And if we do see that, I think we're going to see a return of a lot of the things that got us to some financial independence, which means that crypto has a chance to skyrocket. If I'm wrong and Democrats are able to retain houses, then I think crypto is going to have a hard time. I still think it'll thrive long term, but I think the short term is going to be very challenging because we've got a lot of people on the Democratic side and they, you know, they hold crypto too. So let's be honest, but they're being pressured because of people who get scammed that they have to just jump and act on it instead of proper education about what to avoid and what to look out for. So let's watch it and see how it plays. I want to give a couple of important informational pieces about some tokens that you may or may not be bought into, but if you are bought into them, this is for you. And I think it's important because there were apparently some people who were not aware of things that are going to be happening with some of these tokens. And that I felt I would take it upon myself to at least introduce to you what I was seeing and what I was uh, aware of to share that information out to you. If you are a Kishimoto uh, holder or plan to be, meaning you've watched it and you plan to be one, then there's some things you need to know about the Kishimoto team. First of all, the Kishimoto team reached out on social media and they offered the developers to take a portion of their stake and distribute it to anybody who was rug pulled by Suzuki Inu. And if you didn't know what happened with Suzuki Inu, I did an update on it a little while ago. But short story, there was a rug pull situation. The developer took the money, ran. It was a whole big fiasco. I think it's still going on. And the on their own volition, the Kishimoto devs said, you know, we'll take a portion of our tokens and we will give it to the Suzuki Inu people who are affected by it so that you can, you're not, you know, completely out to try to try to make you whole. Some of the Suzuki Inu people were not really satisfied with this, believe it or not, um, because from a value perspective, there might have been people who lost way more than what the Kishimoto could have totally offered. However, that wind, that's starting to wind down. So what the Kishimoto Inu team has decided is to distribute the remainder of what's left over when this giveaway ends, which is at the end of the year. They're going to distribute the remainder equally amongst all the remaining Kishimoto Inu holders, people who didn't sell out of the token. And if you haven't followed it, I did an open letter update that was on Christmas because I saw a lot of flack coming on the social media forums. It started to die off. The Telegram's still reasonably active, but the Reddit's pretty much dead. And I wanted to kind of reach out to those folks to kind of tell them, it's like, look, man, dude, you've been on this thing for two months and you're already giving up. Shiv was a year in before it started seeing anything. It's like two months, really? So I just felt I wanted to tell them, I think you're being premature. It's up to them, but I'm I'm bullish about Kishimoto. And I'm definitely seeing that they care about the holders, especially because they're willing to do this distribution to all holders. So my update here for you guys, if you are in Kishimoto, or if you were considering getting into Kishimoto, then what you need to know is that this is a distribution of Binance version of Kishimoto tokens. If you don't have any Binance tokens, all your tokens are Ethereum, then this might be a little bit of a weird for you, but they're the same tokens. You can actually bridge them over to Ethereum once you get them if you don't want to have them in Binance for whatever reason. They have a bridge. It's all Katoshi, the crossing.io. 
you can go there and say, okay, I want my Binance tokens to bridge over to Ethereum. You pay the gas fees and you're done. So you have the option to put them all into your Ethereum. But anybody who has a Kishimoto wallet, by the time this cuts off, and I believe the date they said was January 2nd, anybody who has a Kishimoto wallet will receive an even distribution of these tokens to be fair to everybody who is holding. This also includes anybody who buys into Kishimoto between now or when they made the announcement a couple days ago and the January 2nd cutoff date. So if you were considering you're on the fence about Kishimoto, that's something that you might think of when you make a decision is if you were to buy in and hold until that cutoff date, you're going to get a, a distribution of tokens on the Binance smart chain for Kishimoto. And maybe that's your start point. You know, maybe you invest a couple bucks in Kishimoto and then you take whatever the distribution is and then decide whether it makes sense to hold it or not based on the price movements. I will tell you that the price movement for Kishimoto has been trending downward. And predominantly, this is, I believe, a symptom as I covered in my open letter. It is targeted towards a very specific core audience, which is anime-driven folks. It's not like a Satama or an Angie or a you know Nano or something that is more general in scope that doesn't really target any one group of people. So as an investment, it's a hard sell in of itself. However, it's only two months old, and I don't think it's been given a fair shake to succeed or fail because people are just, you know, they're just jumping as they leap and they're not really thinking it through. In my opinion, this is my opinion only. I don't believe anybody else has any stake in what they are doing. It's up to them what they want to do. I just, I feel like it's unfair. So if you choose to buy in, just again, understand this is your opportunity to get some free tokens from the developer team just for holding tokens as an appreciation for those that kind of stay the course and are not leaping off the, the ship. I think it's bullish. I'm still long-term bullish about it. And it's one that you'll just have to kind of play it by ear. If you were not considering buying in it, this message isn't for you. If you are already in it, you need to be aware that will come your way. Don't think it's a scam or a freak out or them jumping ship. They wanted to just do something nice for the people that still were holding and they've had a rough time of it. And any significant updates that you want, you'll need to go to Telegram because, like I said, they are giving some messages on Reddit, but it's fundamentally dead. So they do communicate heavily through Twitter and other social media, but Telegram is probably going to be your choice if you want to kind of get a lay of what's happening and what's coming in 2022. But based on what I see, I mean, there's only a couple of things that I would have recommended. I covered those in my update yesterday, but I still remain bullish about Kishimoto. Uh, to me, I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those. It's like the next Satama potential. If the developers stay the course, that guy could easily skyrocket in 2022. And then I want to round out with our underdog token. And this one, this one, I don't even know if it qualifies as underdog because this one launched not that long ago, as in the beginning of the month. And it had a really rough time of it in the beginning of the month. And it didn't start to ramp up until just now. And it's banking on the timing. So it's similar to Santa coin in the sense that it's the name of the token is banking on the current season and the current dates. And so now they've got a project built and all this other stuff built here. And I want to talk about it and talk about its mechanics. And if it makes sense for you, then by all the way, go ahead and do it. This one's called new year token. New year token is on the Binance smart chain. It is primarily focused around NFTs. The downside or challenge I would call out with it is that most of the NFTs today, 
are around the season. It's around New Year's, around Christmas. This isn't a deal breaker, but it's something to be worried about because, as I said, on the Santa coin, you have situations where if you're banking it on a certain period of time, then it's hard. It's a harder sell. It's hard to justify doing it because you're not taking advantage of the marketing around it. These guys, in contrast, are actually the timing was perfect because they launched it at the beginning of December, and then it's skyrocketing based on the price movements as we get closer to New Year's. And, of course, in the United States, at least, New Year's is a big event. You have the big Times Square and the whole countdowns and all this. So it's it's capitalizing on that on that timing. Now, with this token, it's got a pretty heavily constrained inventory. If you were to look at the total inventory that it had at launch, it was only 1 billion tokens, and then they've done some burn, significant burn, so that your fully diluted market caps already hit 20 million, of which the main market cap is just 8 million, which means there's still significant price movement. The total supply is down to just under 400, 400 million, so they've already done a significant a level of burn. And when you look at something like this that's, that's done that's kind of heavy constraint, you generally should be concerned that you see what looks like that they're possibly trying to kind of pull you because it's like, well, why would you start with such a low inventory and then do a burn instead of just let it go? But these guys have done a pretty decent job to try to add credibility to the project. They did an interfi audit uh, of the project. This happened at the end of November, so this was just below. They went live, and they prioritized trying to get it done before December because they wanted to make sure it went out you know, in time for December and the ramp up, which means that they're thinking about timing. And that's, that's critical. It's very important to think about timing. It was the main concern I had with the Santa coin is they didn't seem to have an urgency around timing to market what they were doing. You know, I don't think they were actively trying to rip anybody off. I felt like that they were trying to, they just were inept and not following the flow of why it was important to get timing. Whereas these guys seem like they're trying to capitalize clean on the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day timing that we're coming up on. Now, in the audit results, as I looked at the results, there were a couple things that were called out that was a bit concerning, but I wanted to just see, okay, what's going on here? They passed the vast majority of them. Things that were coming back were considered low. So there wasn't anything that they said as far as the audit firm, this is Interfi, that was a major concern. But there were a couple things I would personally consider as a higher concern than the audit firm did. So one of the things with tokens is, is it renounced ownership? That's kind of a big thing. Renouncing ownership simply means that the owner cannot affect the way that the contract works or the pricing or the taxes or anything else, that it's a basic, you know, here's what it is. And if you buy and you do, if you don't, you don't, and we have no you know, deal, we can't affect the price of the token thereafter. Most have started not renouncing contracts because if you renounce it too early, you can't go on exchanges. So most have held off on it. So it becomes a flag. It's only really a problem if we see that they have not explained why they have to keep the ownership and why they need to be able to change the price and why they need to be able to mint tokens and so on. So in this one, they called out the anti-whale function and the problem with anti-whale is you as a non-whale would also be possibly blocked from selling or making a sellout, let's say if you did get rich or something else. Um, they called out the max transaction, which means that they could basically block all trades. 
So that's a concern because someday randomly out of thin air, they could just block your ability to even trade the thing. And they called out the, the ability to go and execute the contract on an elevated basis, which means they could override the behavior of the contract, which is a concern, should be a concern. They called it a low. I call that a high personally. I don't mean that it should mean that you should not invest if it makes sense for you. I'm saying that I would call that a high because nowhere on the website do they explain why they need those things. The fact that they need them is not a big deal, but it's like, why do you need these things should be spelled out. Why do you need these things? What do you plan to do with them? It's obvious. They're trying to, they're trying to make it to where they can affect, you know, anti-well and stop, you know, bad price movements. But it also might mean that there's eventually some sort of a, a dump that happens later on if they lock out the ability to transact and then you can't sell out. So that's all risk that I would call to you. If you look in this token, be aware that there is a strong risk that they might at some point later block your ability to sell or transact the token. Conversely, it might simply be that the thing just keeps on growing and it never does trap. You just can't know. The other thing that I would call out, they do have a KYC. Again, the KYC is done by the same organization, the Interfi organization, which, as I mentioned before, I'm not a fan when the KYC is done by the same organization as the audit, just for the purposes of separation of duty. I just think that you should have different people doing this, you know, different things. Um, I believe it was the Meta Bull Run that had the same thing. I'm just not a fan of the same group doing the same thing for the same reasons. I think that you should have a clean separation just for credibility's sake. And you're saying, I want a completely different organization to the KYC to make sure that there's no risk of impropriety. Like say, if there's people at the Interfi that are stakeholders, well, then I wouldn't necessarily trust their, what they're doing in the KYC because they might be part of the, part of the scam, part of the take. Uh, and then the only main thing I would call out is that they do not have, as of right now that I can see, they do not have a light paper. They do have a white paper. The white paper is built in a very elaborate tool. And the white paper is, so what I normally say it should be a downloadable something because usually you want to have it to where you can keep a copy of it in the event that obviously somebody can go in when it's a digital form like this. Somebody could go in there and just edit whatever they wrote in there after the fact. And I don't like to see that. If they do have a downloadable white paper, by the way, please do, you know, I want the smoke, reach out to me, but I'm not seeing it. All of it looks like a, basically a Gitbook um, site, and then you would be able to edit any time. So like, for example, in the roadmap section, you've got key points and it says um, sex listing for LBank. And I can't stand LBank, but it is what it is. Well, what happens if the L bank falls through and then somebody goes in there and they just delete that and you're like, we didn't promise L bank. You know, I'm not a fan of the editable, you know, white papers. I want to see that it's a static PDF. People can download it and then they can test you against what you gave. So that would be my feedback to the guys behind this token is get your white paper to be a flat document that can be saved so that we can hold you accountable to make sure that things are not uh, sketchy. On the up point, it appears that the liquidity is locked. So that's something that also plays in a factor now is when liquidity is locked. The downside of locked liquidity is it does tie the developer's hands a little bit in terms of the ability to exchange, you know, or work with the exchanges just a little bit. 
it doesn't give them a lot of flexibility on it. And so sometimes what they'll do is they'll partial lock liquidity and then partial lock liquidity has the same issue. Liquidity looks like it's locked for a year. That's a good thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the, they couldn't tank the token if they were a holder specifically. So the way that you would want to test this guy is you would want to, because it's a Binance one, this is my educational part here, is you would want to go to PooCoin because it's a Binance smart chain token. That means PooCoin should be able to tell you with some reasonable confidence whether or not there's something sketchy going on with the liquidity pool. If you go to PooCoin for any contract, you test it, it will tell you on the left if it believes that there's any risk of the liquidity being yanked and it tells you at the bottom if you see any of the dev wallets potentially yanking out of the liquidity. You also have a specific checker for the wallet to be able to see if there's something that we don't obviously see about the token and the dev wallets for the token, you can test them and see if there's something sketchy going on. For the purposes of this one, it doesn't show that there's anything out of the ordinary around the token. That doesn't necessarily mean it's perfect clean. It just means that as far as PooCoin is concerned, it seems like it's reasonably okay. I'm talking that through to you to make sure that you also do that check. When you're vetting these tokens, make sure that you do as much check as you can and just realize that no matter how much check you do, you can't, you're not going to be able to get away from potential pulls because they're very elaborate these days. So you could do all the checks in the world. You could spend hours just checking different tokens that are recommended or that you see, and it turns out that it still pulls something. If you go back to Santa Coin, Santa Coin is reasonably clean. It just has inept leadership behind it. It's nothing wrong with the token, but it has inept leadership. Okay, well, then if I look at this one and I do a Stay Safe check, the Stay Safe doesn't appear to be a rug pull, but it might be a honeypot potentially because of the fact that the owner hasn't renounced ownership, it means they could yank it or they have all the best of intentions and they don't yank it. However, they might be incompetent and because of incompetence, it might tank. There's a lot of uncertainty on this one. So I'm not going to tell you yay or nay that it is or isn't a scam. I will tell you that from what I can see, it looks decent, clean, and they're just capitalizing on the timing this close to new year's and so if you do decide to buy into it just be aware and do your tests do your checks as much as you can don't just settle for the quick pump unless if you just you're just swimming in cash and if you're swimming in cash you're probably not listening to this podcast but don't just leap you know make sure that you do some research on your own and see if it makes sense from what i can tell it appears as though they're just trying to capitalize on the timing and they kind of put something out there there's not a lot of the mechanics to it they just put something out that seemed like it looked seemed like it looked good and sounded good at the time to take advantage of this proximity to New Year's, which is a brilliant marketing strategy, but then you also want to know how far, you know, what, what's this going to look like after the fact? How What are you going to do after New Year's? What's going to happen to the token? Is it going to keep growing? Is it going to crash and burn? And they're talking about games. Well, what kind of games? There's a lot of questions that still yet to be asked and answered. So I'm not telling you that you should. I'm telling you to research it, make sure it makes sense for you. And the reason I'm stressing that so much is because of what happened with Santa Coin, really. And I'm not holding that against these guys. I'm just saying I see some parallels with the Matable run, parallels with Santa Coin, and there's a lot of uncertainty here. So what might look clean and perfect and looks like that they're doing the right thing could very well be a pull scam, and you just don't know. So that's the New Year token. Again, it is price. Its price is jumping pretty, pretty steadily here. 
my feedback in summary is the GitHub, Git book. Get that out of the Git book, please. I don't want to see that. I want to see a flat PDF so that you can't just arbitrarily edit one side and we don't know about it. It's number one. Uh, number two, I it looks like you're trying to capitalize on timing. That's That makes sense to me if that's really what you're doing. Uh, and then number three, it's not really clear. Like I see what they're talking about and everything's around the NFTs and all this. However, the... You, you know, the audit paper talks about a burn. I don't see anything about a burn on the site. So I don't know if a burn is there or not there. I see there's a tax. I see there's NFT rewards, but I don't see that there is or is not a burn. It doesn't look like it. And I don't see there is or is not a reflection. It doesn't look like it. However, the inventory seems to imply there's a burn somewhere. So I guess a small feedback would be to get whatever information about the burn that is happening more clearly outlined on the site just so that we understand what's happening with that inventory and make sure that people are not going to mint more tokens because that would be a huge risk. So that's all I got for you today. Hopefully that was a very informational update. There was just a couple points to cover today. Um, I will be back, of course, tomorrow. I do have the stupidity that I have to deal with. However, the schedule has shifted. So now I will be doing a morning update more than likely because I'm outside of the nonsense now. Awesome. So I'm back on the morning schedule. So I should be back with a morning update. Doubtful I'll have an afternoon update. I, I, I really do hope that you had a good holiday, even if it was not Christmas that you celebrate. Hopefully it was a good holiday that you were able to spend some time with loved ones of some form, whether friends or family or otherwise. And the reason I emphasize that is because 2021 was a very rough year, I think, for everybody, to be fair. And so I would, you know, the fact that we were able to look behind it, hopefully this is a chance to not focus too much on the bad. Look forward to the good because I am heavily bullish on 2022. Take care.